Wow. I feel God's put a prophetic word on my heart for you today. This is so new that I haven't even typed it up. It's on a scribbled piece of hotel notepaper, which was the nearest thing I had when I felt God gave it to me. Uh, We were in Canada. I've just come back from three weeks in Canada on Monday. And I felt God gave me this. I prayed for someone. This doesn't happen to me very often. I literally went to lay hands on a leader and I felt God say one word to me. Not audibly, but just in my spirit. I felt God say, spring. And I thought, that's good. What does that mean? And immediately I could think of three, you could probably think of many more, but I could think of three possibilities. It could be springtime, because it's actually still springtime. That could be one definition. Secondly, I thought of a spring. (laughs) You know, a a coiled metal spring. I thought, is it that? (coughs) And then I thought, ah, I wonder if it's a spring of living water, that kind of spring. I'm sure you can think of many others, but they were the three that came to mind. So I said, Lord, which one do I prophesy over this leader? Which one is it? Is it that one? Is it that one or that one? And God said, yes. (laughs) In other words, it's all three. And I started to prophesy to this leader, and basically I've then brought this to a couple of settings in Canada where I felt God was speaking it over the church in Canada, and I feel it's a particular word for you here in Jubilee Church Tisa. So I've, I've prepared this. Really, it's come out of a prophetic word that's only two or three weeks old that God has spoken to me, and I believe it's very much for you. So the first one is this, and this is going to be very chatty this morning. It's not going to be necessarily unpacking a passage of scripture, although I'll refer to a lot of scripture, but I just want to unpack it with you. The first time is this, it's literally springtime. And I feel God would want to say to you here in Jubilee Church Teesside, this is your springtime. You've been through many seasons, you've been through autumns and winters, you've been through summers before, but this is springtime. Now actually spring will end next month, There'll be a kind of a turning and we'll go into summer, but you're not going to turn and go into summer. It's still going to be springtime for you. It's still going to be the time of budding and blossoming and things starting to happen and new things shooting up. I was so impressed with that prophetic picture of flowers. And I was also impressed that Raj told me that Kirian had had a prophetic picture about flowers appearing and springtime happening in this church only a few weeks ago. Actually, God is actually doing it amongst you. And the passage that I thought of when I came to this that I wrote down was the passage from Song of Solomon, which I believe Kirian referred to. And it says this, Song of Solomon chapter 2, it says... My lover spoke to me, verse 10, and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come away with me. See, the winter is past. And this church has been through a degree of winter. This church has been through a few struggles over the last few years. Some leadership issues, some vision issues, some pastoral issues, some faith issues. And it's felt like winter time. It's felt like the ground has been pretty hard, sometimes even snow-covered, sometimes impenetrable, sometimes like, where is there ever going to be any growth or life again? In fact, this tree that once blossomed actually seems to be shrinking. Things, start, things are falling off it like they do in winter and autumn. You know, bits start to fall off it and it starts to look a little... It, it, you think, it's a shadow of its former self, somebody said to me. Well, it's winter time. And we go through winter times, personally and as a church. That's okay. That's the seasons that God has created. If it was all the same season, it would be pretty boring. But actually, after winter comes the spring. 
and comes a new sense of life. And it's felt like it's been, to quote George Harrison, a long, cold, lonely winter. But here comes the sun. You know, the sun's arising and something new's happened. It's felt as... I think C.S. Lewis said in those brilliant Narnia books that I love so much and used to quote quite a bit when I was here, it's felt like it's always winter but never Christmas. <laughs> that's what he says, doesn't he, in The Lion, the Witch and the Wolverine. It's always winter but never That's what it's felt like over these last few years. But do you know what? As I walked in to this building today, it feels like springtime in this church. It feels like something is happening, something has shifted in the seasons. And do you know what? You can't go back, even if you wanted to. You can't go back. It's shifted. The season has moved, the season has shifted. You are in springtime and it's a season of new life, new things happening. I don't think it's a coincidence that I got an email this week from someone who was on the same Alpha course as Raj and Charlotte on those early times, 17, 18 years ago, who'd been brought along by this church, to this church as a heathen, unchristian, a cynical a young lady in her 20s, very cynical, very sceptical, but had been brought along with a friend. She got radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then her job moved her away. We never saw her again. She writes to me 17 years later, saying it was at that moment she got saved, it was at that moment she was filled with the Spirit. She's been going on with God ever since. She's now in a church in Scotland, and actually she's hitting some difficulties in life right now. She's hitting some cancer issues, but she just knows the rock that God has with her and she just felt right now why didn't she write earlier I don't know but she felt right now she found me on Twitter I think that's why she wanted to write and say thank you to Jubilee Church Teesside because it's here that she found life you don't know the influence you've had all over the world people are, are being affected by this church by you, by your faith and I believe God's saying it's happening again Jubilee, it's a springtime in the church, there's new life it's blossoming up it's happening and it goes on to say here the winter is past, the rains are gone and over, it's interesting we've been in a bit of a drought situation particularly that's weird for us in the northwest. hadn't rained for I think four or five weeks and it never does that in the northwest. but it's a bit of a drought it rained this weekend, but a bit of a drought but actually it says the rains are over and flowers are appearing all over the earth. This is the season of singing. And I think God would say that to you, Jubilee. This is the season of singing. I was so moved as Shirley just led us. And then literally as the song passed to Lou and then to Dave, I was so moved by that. I felt that this is the season of singing. And as they sang over us, I just feel there's songs for you to sing. There's songs for you to sing. There's songs to be written from this church, but there's songs for you to sing. There's a new song. There's a new sound. There's something new that God wants to do in Teesside and is doing in Teesside. It's springtime in the church. And isn't it great when you go out for a walk and it's springtime? Doesn't it smell different? Doesn't it taste different? Isn't there life all around you? The bluebells, the daffodils, the the new lambs. and It's just springtime in the church. This is the season, folks, that you guys are in. Secondly... It's the spring. It's this coiled spring. And this is where I want to particularly land it for some of you this morning. Because I think some of you have particularly felt that you've been pushed down. You've been crushed. You've been... Weight has come upon you. Now, it might be health issues. It could be work issues. It could be finance issues. It could be family issues. It could be relational, all sorts of things, or just spiritual attack. 
It could be a finan- it could be lots of different things, but you just feel this last winter I've been pushed down. I've been crushed. I've been deflated. I've been pushed down. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Because this is apostolic doctrine. Chapter 4, verse 8. We're hard-pressed on every side. So even apostles get pushed down. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed. In other words, we don't understand everything, but we are not in despair. Can you sense this springing coming back? We're pushed down, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. And then in the same book, a few chapters later, in chapter 12, you probably heard me reference this before, he talks about the thorn in the flesh, and he says, three times I asked the Lord to take it away from me. Wouldn't it be nice to have a trouble-free life? Wouldn't it be nice if all the pressure always went all the time? And he says, take it away from me. But this is what the Lord said to me. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, actually I delight in my weaknesses and insults in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because when I'm weak, I'm not relying on my energy anymore. When I'm weak, I'm not relying on my ability. When I'm weak, I'm not relying on my strength. Actually, I need his empowering presence. I need his strengthening. It's his grace. And that's the difference between law and grace. Law tells you what you should do, what you ought to do, but you have no power to do it. Grace tells you to do stuff and empowers you to do it. So you know this, because I quote it almost every time I preach at Teesside. Run, this is John Bunyan's famous ditty, famous little chorus. Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Now see how that translates into <laughs> different languages? Probably doesn't. But the law cannot impart life. It's just a heavy weight. But the gospel springs us back into life. The gospel gives us power to live, even in weaknesses, even in difficulties, even in troubles. It's almost like we get pushed down. I don't know how to say this without sounding almost... It's like almost the, the more the devil or the more circumstances or the more the enemy or the more life just pushes us down, what actually happens to the spring? Actually... The more it gets down, the more power is just about to be released to spring it back to life. It's like God, it's, it's an amazing thing. Think about this, I was, it was so moved when you guys led us in that beautiful song of uh, Stu Townend's about the Father's love and the cross. And, you know, at the cross, that was surely Jesus' weakest point. At the cross, surely all hell was laughing at Christ. At the cross, they were scoffing. They were laughing. They were jeering. Surely it's his weakest point. No, it's not. It's his strongest point. It's at the cross. He's taking and defeating all the sin. 
At that point, as they're sneering, as they're laughing, as even hell itself laughs in the face of Christ, hell itself is being defeated. It has no idea. It doesn't realise it, but that's what's happening. And when you get pushed down by these things, the devil laughs at you. The world laughs at you. You're a laughing stock. But actually, as we get pushed down, just like with Jesus on the cross... Actually, there's just about to become resurrection power. There's just about to become new life in the spring. You're just about to spring back into life with the power of God. That's the gospel, folks. That's what he does in our lives. And that's what he's doing in your life right now. He is even using those difficult circumstances to push you down in order that you spring back into life. We had reference to Joseph earlier, didn't we, in the prophecy. Did not Joseph say to his brothers when they came grovelling to him at the end. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God allowed Jesus to go through the cross for good. God allowed Joseph to go through persecutions and insults and betrayals and prison for good. God's allowed you to go through some very difficult stuff. Why? So that you might spring back into life. Because you know what? The integrity of the spring is not that. It's that. The spring is not designed to be crushed. It's designed to be like that. It's got some structural integrity. It's got some identity. And your identity in Christ is not to be a crushed person. It's to be a springing back person. So what I want to do right now, before I even get to the third point, if you feel that's you this morning, if you feel over this winter season, I felt crushed down, I felt pushed down, I wonder if you would do me the honour of just standing right now. I'm just going to pray over you, that's all. We're not going to do any long ministry. If you felt over this season, there's going to be lots of us. You just felt over this winter time, you've been crushed, you've been pushed down. Yeah, I thought so. Now why don't the rest of us just, if we can physically touch them, gather around them, just reach out our hands to them, We're not going to prolong this. But we're just going to prophesy over you new life. We're going to prophesy over you springing back into life. It would just be great pastorally if the leaders here and small group leaders and people involved with children's leadership, people involved with uh, leading youth, uh, people involved in any form uh, of leadership at all, if you could specifically get involved with this. Everyone else can get involved as well. But we want to make sure that someone stands with everybody. That this is all part of being in the body of Christ. And sometimes when we stand like this, sometimes it's hard to see who's got someone with them. So if you haven't yet got someone with you, just so that we can be a little bit more organised about this, if you haven't yet got someone with you, just wave to me. Just let me know that you haven't got someone with you. There's someone at the back... Sarah at the back hasn't got someone with her. Just if someone can go to Sarah, that'd be wonderful. Is anyone else who hasn't got someone with them? Just so I know, there's a gentleman standing at the back there. I don't think he's got anyone with him. Oh, yes, he has. Sorry, I can see behind the pillar. Great. Okay. Now, I'm just going to pray, but then I'm going to ask you to pray, and I'm going to ask you just to speak words of life, words of resurrection life, words of springing back up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our friends. We thank you that these are our brothers and our sisters. These are people we love. These are people we're connected to. This is our body which has been under attack, which has been pressed down. 
and just as circumstances and even the enemy himself who's tried to crush us, actually, ironically, the very power he's used to crush us down is going to result in the very power that we're going to spring back to life. Just like Jesus on the cross, at the very point of weakness, he was at his most victorious and God sprang him back to life by the Spirit. And now in Jesus' name, we speak life to you. We say spring back into life. Have that sense of this is my identity. I'm not supposed to be crushed. I'm a spring and actually I'm going to pop back. I'm going to like a jack-in-the-box. I'm just going to pop back out and I'm going to have this new sense of this is who I am. This is my identity in Christ. I'm not a crushed... I might be perplexed at times, but I am not crushed down. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Now just pray it in. Just prophesy it in. Just do that for a couple of minutes. Everyone pray. Just Alison has just, uh, sorry, Amanda, sorry, Amanda. Amanda has just uh, been renamed. <laughs> Amanda, <laughs> Amanda, Amanda has just uh, told me something I didn't know. So uh, just prophesy what you. Just as I was getting prayed for, God reminded me that the, the pressure that is put down in that spring is actually called potential. And because there's a potential in us, when it's released, it's called kinetic, and that's the movement that you make. And usually, in physics, it's equal. The amount of pressure that you stick down is equal to the amount of movement that you get out of it. But with God's grace, it's a multiplied. And that little bit of potential is going to be a big, big kinetic. That's great, Amanda. Thank you. That's great. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Last point, very quickly, got 10 minutes left. Last point is this. So we talked about the season of spring. We talked about the coil, sprung coil. And the last one is a spring of water, a spring of living water. And I was reminded of Isaiah 43. I think I've mentioned this scripture here before. Uh, every meeting I go to just about at the moment, Isaiah 43 is almost always mentioned because there's such a hunger for revival. There's such a hunger for something new. There's such a hunger for God to spring up and waters to come even in the wasteland. You know, Teesside can feel sometimes, uh, it's been said, even politicians have said it in the past, it's a wasteland. Well, that's okay. God delights in wasteland and delights in turning the wastelands into life. God delights in bringing new life where there isn't life. So don't think, oh, we should have this. Or we should. No, God's going to bring new life. This is what it says in Isaiah 43 and verse 18. Forget the former things. Just forget them. All right? Forget. Don't live in the past. Don't live in a day that has long gone. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? See, I'm making a way in the desert and living streams, this springs, in the wasteland. That's what God's doing right now. He's opening up these wells. He's opening up these streams of living water. He's opening up new life for you. And do you know what the only thing you've got to do according to that passage is see it, is look at it, is perceive it, is understand that's what God's doing. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I can't think of a better illustration. We've just got to look with new eyes. 
And sometimes, see, the Bible says we don't walk by natural sight, we walk by faith. And we've got to stop looking with our natural eyes, because with our natural eyes, we see wastelands. But God wants us to perceive it with the eyes of our heart, the eyes of faith, that go, God, you're doing something new in the church. It's springing up all over. God, you're going to be bringing new life. God, you're going to be bringing healings and salvations. God, you're going to be planting new churches. God, you're going to be going to the nations. God, you're going to be bringing creativity and new businesses. And God, you're going to be doing new stuff with Open Door and new stuff with our asylum seeker refugees, new houses. New... God, you're going to be doing that all over. I perceive it in my spirit. Do you not perceive it? And you know what? You can see the same thing but look at it totally differently with eyes of faith. I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it to you again because it's such a good one. A couple of hundred years ago, the largest church in the world was led by a man called Charles Haddon Spurgeon in London, Metropolitan Tabernacle. 1859, there was a revival, a massive revival in 1859, and actually thousands were saved. At one point, Spurgeon had in his congregation had to move out of his building, met in the Surrey Halls. They reckoned about 30,000 people in London. And this is when the population was a fraction of what it was today, an absolute fraction. But 30,000 people, it's pretty impressive. And that's without PA, <laughs> Jill. <laughs> and it's <laughs> amazing how he could do that. We can't speak to a couple of hundred people without PA. He spoke to 30,000. Anyway, he was also a great pastor, And he once visited one of his parishioners. He visited a pauper, a lady who had fallen out of the system. I mean, really, there wasn't the system of social care and looking after people that we have today. And this lady was really uh, just, she had nothing. She was living in in a hovel. She had absolutely nothing. But she had had a glorious past. She'd been a great servant. In fact, she'd been a great servant in a great house. She'd been a servant in one of these stately homes big house. In fact, initially it was a house full of life and a house with lots of servants and lots of family, but as things moved on, all the family died till there was just the master of the house left. And all the servants were no longer needed. It was just this lady. She just kept the house going. She served the the master. She was life to him and blessing to him. And then the sad day came when he died. And then she was evicted from the property. She was told she had to go now. But she was given, through the post, a letter. A thank you letter, she presumed. She was very proud of this letter. She assumed that this letter was a letter of thanksgiving or thanking for all that she'd done. So she was so proud of this letter, so thrilled with this thank you letter that she framed, she took it out and she framed it on the wall. And when Spurgeon came to visit her, she was talking about her glorious past. She wasn't bitter at all. She was actually very grateful. She said, I was so grateful that the last thing my master did, apparently, was write a letter to me. Isn't that gracious? That the last thing he did was to write me a thank you letter. In fact, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful to God for his provision, I've put the letter on the wall and there it is in all its glory, the thank you letter from my previous master. Would you like to see it, Mr Spurgeon? And he said, oh, I'd love to see it, assuming he was going to read a thank you letter. He started to read it and he said, uh, have you ever read this letter? She said, well, I see it every day. No, he said, have you ever read it? She said, well, I can't read, I'm illiterate. He said, this is not a thank you letter. This is a last will and testament 
the master is leaving everything to you. You are now the owner of the house. All his riches and wealth have become yours and yet you're living like a pauper. Boy, she saw the same thing very differently. Some of us take Bible verses like this, we stick them on our wall with a cuddly picture of a hippopotamus (laughs) and it says, see, I'll do a new thing, streams in the wasteland. And we look at it and say, isn't that nice? No, this is not a poster for the wall. This is our inheritance. This is what we're to step into. You've got to see the promises of God differently. They're for us, they're for today, they're for this wasteland, they're for Teesside, they're for Jubilee Church, they're for Darlington, they're for the North East, they're for all that God wants to do. And dear friends, we've got to perceive it differently. We've got to see this spring of living water that's starting to bubble, we've got to see that it's going to result in streams in the desert. It's going to result in new life in the desert. Do you not perceive it. Now we're going to end this meeting by praying for everyone that you would receive in your own life a new spring of living water. This letter I had from Catherine, Kate as we called her, she said, at the Holy Spirit Day, when you prayed for me, I had the most amazing experience of the Spirit bubbling up inside me. See, that's what the Spirit of God does. He bubbles up inside us. The scripture that we always use on the Alpha Away Day, you'll know it so well, you could preach it better than me. Jesus said on the last day of the feast in a loud voice, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Not to me, not to elders, not to apostles, not to church leaders, but to Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives the Spirit. Jesus is the one who outpours his Spirit. Jesus is the one who floods our life with fresh water. Jesus is the one who opens the well. Jesus is the one who brings this spring of life into being. And Jesus says, if you're thirsty, in other words, if you really want it, if you really want it, come to me, Jesus says, and from within, not without, not a meeting, not an event, not a Bible week, not a special course, but from within your own belly, from within your own heart. Jesus uses a word that means the temple. It means the, this new temple from in your temple will flow a river of living water. And do you know what? It's not for you, it's for the world. It's not to keep it so that you go, oh, I now feel happy. I've got a little light. I've got a little spring. I've got a little, I'm, I've got a little bit of happiness that I can take away with me. No, this is for the world. This is for our workplace. This is not for half past 12 on a Sunday afternoon. This is for half past 12 on a Monday afternoon. This is for workplace. This is for when you go to the supermarket. This is where, for where you live. This is for your family. There's life coming to you, a spring of life coming to you that's going to be a well of life for the world. What does the world need? Love, grace, mercy, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. They need, the evidence, they need healing. So many these days I know are, are burdened down with depression. They need the life of God. 
So many we meet these days are sick and suffering. They need the touch of the healer. So many don't know love and grace. They need the grace of the healer. And who is he sending? Us. So we're going to end this meeting by us praying together. Now, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front because what that tends to do is it tends to put the pressure or the focus on a human. And actually, this is not of human origin. As Amanda said, this is not just the kinetic energy being released of the spring. This is something supernatural happening. God's coming. God's in the house. I felt God was in the house as I walked in. God's with us. He's Emmanuel, Christ with us, God with us. So therefore, when we pray with one another, and when you lay hands on one another in a moment in pairs, or twos or threes, when you do that, it's not Marion's hands that are on you. Might look like Marion's hands, might look like the bass, the happy bass player's hands. It might look like her hands, but it's not her hands. It's Jesus' hands, because we're the body of Christ. And Jesus flows through us to one another. That's why we lay hands on one another. It's a, it's a tactile, physical thing. It's not actually anything comes from us, but actually, as we lay hands on people, it comes from Him. He's the great baptizer, the great filler with the Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen in a moment as we close this meeting, we're going to close it a little late, as you know. That's okay, the kids will know that. Kids workers are used to this. God bless her, thank you for the kids workers. As we lay hands on one another in a moment, the life of the Spirit is going to flow. There's going to be impartation from the Spirit. So why don't we just stand? Why don't we just get into twos and threes? If you're a guest, please don't feel you have to participate in this. But my experience is this, guests get blessed, sometimes even more than we do. If you're not a Christian, this would be a wonderful opportunity to speak to the person next to you and say, tell me how to become a Christian. Tell me right now how I can be saved, and you can be saved right now. Let's just get into little groups, everyone in a group, twos, threes, fours are the absolute most, but twos and threes. Now what we're going to do, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to lay hands on one another and we're going to pray for one another to be filled with the Spirit, for the spring of the Spirit to bubble up within us and overflow from us to the world. So let me pray first, just to lead us in some order and then let's gloriously end with disorder at the end of this meeting. There'll be no more announcements after we've done this. So, in Jesus' name, we lay hands on you, and in Jesus' name, we say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus right now, and as the Scripture has said, he will be to you like a spring of living water. Living waters right now, flow. Come, Holy Spirit, flow, just as you did on that young lady, Kate, 17 years ago on Teesside. You saved her and radically transformed her. We didn't even know, Lord, but you did. Right now, come on everyone now. Fill everyone with the Spirit. Empower them with the Spirit. Bubble up, O Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Now start to pray with faith for one another. Lay hands in faith. When you get prayed for, receive the Spirit. Don't receive their prayer. Don't receive their hands. You receive the Spirit. You say, yes, Lord, I take you. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Let's go for it.